Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. For those of you who are tuning in online, I want to thank you for watching and joining us as well. Let's stand as we worship and sing and glorify our great God this morning.
thank you for joining us this morning, Crossroads Ministries. Would you turn to your neighbor and greet one another here this morning? Say hello. Introduce yourself. Make a new friend. Nothing is better. 
Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the
turn him for good. You turn him for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn him for good. You turn him for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn him for good. You turn him. Amen. You can have a seat. Welcome. Good morning. We're thrilled that you're here. And this is, again, this is a great time we can gather. We can all meet up and hang out together and worship Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathered. That's, that's, that's what draws us here is, is God, is he's drawing us here. And so, uh, church, um, I want to I wanna welcome our guests, those who are hanging out with us, maybe for the first or second time today. Listen, please stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, we'd love to give you a gift by just saying thank you for being here, and also we'd love to connect with you. So please, before you leave and go home, stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, even if you've been here for a few weeks, if you haven't stopped by the Welcome Center, we'd love to connect with you there. Um, and, and answer any questions that you may have and just, again, be another friendly face that you know because, again, it's important to know people and there's nothing more horrifying than showing up to a place that you don't know anybody. Listen, we felt that way when we were kids and it doesn't change as adults, so we would love to connect with you. Stop by the Welcome Center before you leave, all of our guests, and we'd love to connect with you. Guys, I got to tell you, yesterday was an awesome day. It really was. Um, we had our extravaganza yesterday. We saw over 600 kids, uh, and that's just kids. Their parents and grandparents, and so God did an amazing thing yesterday. Listen, you, you see a few of these pictures on the screen, and and that was uh, that was the sunny part. Uh, you know what I mean? We ha- I have a lot of pictures that there's some uh, um, it, the sky looked different. You know, let's just say that, but uh, nonetheless, you know w- w- what what the world and what the weather threw at us, Jesus sh- shone bright. That was what was on this hill yesterday was the love of Christ. Our team, uh, Kim and Chrissy and the entire team that served. uh, Can we thank God for the team that served all day yesterday? Never thought, never thought when you signed up to help out with the egg hunt that you'd be holding down to your tents and uh, keeping them from, you know, Wizard of Oz over Finleyville. But uh, it was an awesome day. Thank you guys for serving and for just praying. For those, many of you, we asked to pray. Uh, Just pray for that event. 
Uh, we believe that every family that came up was touched yesterday but with the love of Christ. Uh, you know, never thought that you could use plastic eggs with candy in them to, to reach people. Uh, but listen, we're going to see the fruit to come. So be praying for those families that came up yesterday. Be praying for them as we reach them, continue to love on them and reach them for the weeks to come. Um, but thank you for praying. Thank you for serving and for being involved. And thanks for coming out. It was a great day. Um, I want to let you guys know in your bulletins, there is a, a really colorful handout. And I want to encourage you to be in prayer for somebody. Um, maybe one or two people. If you need more of these, uh, please let us know. Stop by the Welcome Center and we'll get you more of these. But listen, be in prayer for a family that you can invite or someone you can invite to Good Friday, which is at uh, 7 p.m. this Friday, uh, our night of worship and communion. And then our Easter services are Saturday, 6 p.m. And then Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30 and 11 a.m. are going to be our Easter gatherings. Um, Listen, we're going to continue to raise up and lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to celebrate uh, what Christ did for us on the cross and reflect on what he did for us on the cross on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, we're going we're gonna to celebrate his resurrection, just like we do all the time. But we want to encourage you, invite someone to give them the greatest story ever told um, and encourage you, pray for somebody. Even right now, be thinking of someone you can invite to Good Friday or any of our Easter gatherings. Church, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving, for worshiping him, um, giving unto the Lord and, and just celebrating what God is doing in your life and worshiping him with your finances. Thank you for doing so and for worshiping him and being faithful. Um, would you stand with me as we continue on this morning, continuing worship uh, this morning? Um, God's growing us. He's doing an amazing work just like he did yesterday, and that's all the time. And so he's being faithful to us, and so let's be faithful in worshiping him and giving back to him. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this moment. We can pause and we can focus on just all that you mean to us. And Lord, I pray that uh, just that you would unite all of our hearts in Christ, that you would unite us in the name of Jesus as we all gather here. Uh, we're coming in, Lord, with uh, just the craziness uh, and the greatness of yesterday. We're coming in with just different things on our hearts and in our minds. We're maybe thinking about Monday. We're thinking about Tuesday and so on and so forth. But Lord, we're here right now for this time, for this space, uh, for this moment. So Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to us, um, that you'd quiet our hearts, focus our hearts on, on you. Jesus. Um, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time, and it's all for you. In your name, amen. See 
So we tell ourselves, I am not enough. I am not worth it. I am unrighteous. I am unholy. But Jesus is the I am. So rewrite the script, cover the shame, be filled with grace, embraced by love. Who is Jesus really? Who is Jesus 
to you. talking in our series, Who is Jesus? We've been looking as we're approaching Easter, who is Jesus really? That's, uh, that's what the event about was all about yesterday. We want people to know who Jesus is, and I'm so thankful for our church. I know Luke's already shared his appreciation. I want to share mine with you. I thank God for you. Man, I'm looking around the church. Some of you are like barely walking today because that was uh, quite an event yesterday, and uh, you were out there. You gave it all. I have some pastor friends that had their egg hunt, and they decided to cancel yesterday. And I said, well, if you only had a team like we have here, right? I thank God for you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks be to God. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of our church. Listen, our church is mission over everything. And so you guys had a mission yesterday. And, uh, you know, I came out of the first uh, egg hunt, you know, the first, first time slot, and I was working on my sunburn out there. And uh, wobbling around the world, uh, all out there and having a good time. And then uh, the next one came and then people got off as soon as that storm. I never saw people move so fast in my life, man. That storm whipped in. I mean, they got their eggs. The kids are running out with prizes and they're like, it's so, it was so cool to watch that. And, uh, you know, then even in between, there was a little storm came in and there was lightning. So I was very impressed. Our, our, our team cleared the field. They wouldn't let anything happen, not even to our workers. We weren't even going to let our workers out there in the lightning. And then I was like, I'm going home. They're going to cancel it. Then I hear another 200 people show up for the next one in the rain. So thanks be to God for you folks. You're a fantastic family. I'm proud to be your pastor. Let's thank our God this morning. Amen. (laughs) Mission over everything. That's what we're about here to bring people to Jesus. And that you see it just oozes in all that we do. That's why this series, Jesus is. And we've been talking about who Jesus is. And today is Palm Sunday. Uh, we, we look at Palm Sunday. Next week will be Easter Sunday. And uh, this week is known as Holy Week. Most people call this Holy Week. That's a very common term because it's the last week of our Lord here on earth. And it's the last week as he made his approach to Good Friday. And we're going to be here on Friday as we celebrate Good Friday. We're going to come in and reflect and thank God for what he's done for us on the cross. Without the cross, there would be no Easter. There would be no resurrection. So there had to be a death and there had to be a resurrection. If we didn't have both of this part of the story, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even have church. But that's all part of, the, part of the greatest story ever told. And that's why we've called it this next weekend, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And so I want to encourage you at, during Holy Week, though, to take and give yourself a little time of time with the Holy One. Time with the Lord. We should do this all the time, but give yourself some extra time as you approach this special time, this special season, and don't let it just be church as usual. Let's take this and truly spend the week of worship to our Lord God Almighty, and like get alone and spend some extra time, go in the Gospels and read his, his final week. Read that for yourself and, and just spend this time devoted to the Lord this week, and let's see what God will do in all of our lives. 
And then I want to encourage you throughout the week, not only do we celebrate ourselves, but we, we take his mission literally and we go out and we invite people. Take those red cards and just invite people and just put this in somebody's hand. And listen, you'll be surprised. People don't come because of road signs. They don't come because of ads in the newspaper or Facebook ads. They come because of a friend. And if you'll put the word out and personally invite them, God will do his work. And uh, we'll, we'll keep all that other stuff out there. That only supports what you're doing of bringing somebody and inviting somebody to come. The good news is so worth it. And I'm watching lives are being changed right now. There, there's a movement of God in our church, and it's exciting to watch. I'm watching, there's like all ages, it's across the board in this church what's happening. And I can tell you, life after life right now, this person came in, that person came in. God is doing an incredible work in people's hearts and lives. So as we approach Palm Sunday, it's a familiar story. You're familiar with Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. But there's a lot of questions around Palm Sunday. I think sometimes you look at Palm Sunday and say, well, boy, how did that just happen? Like, how did he just get on a donkey and ride into town, and all of a sudden there was a crowd waving him to become the king? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus is king. Would you say that with me? Jesus is king. And as we look at this, this thought of Jesus is king, and you're thinking about Palm Sunday, you're thinking about the coronation of the king, well, how did this all happen? Well, typically you go and you'll read the passage of the Palm Sunday account, which, by the way, most of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most of the Gospels are giving us an account of the, of the life of Jesus, but in detail to the last week. So if the Gospel writers are giving us in detail to the last week, it ought to be in detail to us. We ought to be paying attention to it. There's something significant about the last week because that's when the price was paid and the resurrection happened. And so as we're looking at this, Matthew chapter 21 is uh, from Matthew's account. Matthew, he's writing from a Jewish perspective. He's going to give to the Jewish mind. He's going to give facts and details, and he's going to point it and connect it to the Old Testament. But they all kind of do that. But Matthew really draws out the connection. And Matthew, the theme of the whole book is that Jesus is king. And so as we jump into this this morning, I'm not going to start with Matthew chapter 21 I'm going to give you the context of Palm Sunday. Why did Palm Sunday really happen? What happened that sparked this movement that he would be coming in with this big parade on Palm Sunday and yet going to the cross on Friday? Well, if you read just a few verses earlier in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, and we're going to start there this morning, Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. So Jesus was making his final descent from Jericho down to Jerusalem. This would be his last journey as he's taking, taking, the, taking the journey down there. Notice he's not on a donkey at this point. He's just walking, right? And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, went, uh, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? What a powerful question from the master, from the king himself. He says to these blind guys, What do you want me to do for you? I think that's a... An important question today. I think Jesus is talking to us. What, what do you want? What do you want? 
And what do you want? And listen, we have this lifeline of prayer that we can talk to him at any given moment's notice. What do you want for me to do to you? Uh, what do you want for me to do for you? So Jesus had compassion. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 33. They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. They've been blind. They haven't seen all their life. Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And so what was happening, you know, if you're just reading through the scriptures, you say, well, Jesus healed a lot of people, didn't he? Oh, look, he, he, he did all these healings. But here's what was happening. And we'll go back to that verse there, verse 30. He says, he comes on the road and these two blind men say, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And so they cry out and they publicly declare he's the son of David. Son of David was a title for the messianic king. And so, listen, this was not the first time that people had declared it, but they always said, hey, keep it quiet. Don't go tell anybody. Remember Jesus would heal somebody and says, now don't, don't tell anybody. Because it wasn't the time for him to go to the cross. Jesus wasn't going to go to the cross and nobody knew about it. It was going to be known for the world. For, it was for the entire world to pay, that he paid the price. So, so there was a, this movement had been growing. People knew this. And so here's these two blind guys. Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. They're saying that he is the Messiah. He is the ultimate king. He's the final king. And look what the crowd says to him. The crowd in the next verse says, the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Hey, what are you doing? No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. But they cried out all the more, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And what does Jesus do? The blind men cry out, O Lord, son of David. And Jesus says, yes, that's me. What do you want for me to do for you? And when he did this, this was the hair-raising moment. This was the pin drop. Listen, the disciples were waiting for this. The disciples had been following Jesus. They knew that he is the king. They knew that he's the Messiah. And if he is the ultimate king, when he goes to be king, they'll be freed from the Roman oppression. This would be a political thing that would happen. This would change everything about their life. They have been on the inner circle, the 12 of them, and they've been kind of like, when's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? Like they know if he is truly king, then he's going to be the king. And, and remember, they would ask, you know, hey, how close are we to the king? Who's going to sit next to your left and to your right, right? This is because they knew that he is the king. He is the final king. And so they knew that what this would mean is that there would be a big deal would happen. What happens is that their life was about to change. The disciples were either thrilled or terrified at this point. It was do or die. It was triumph or defeat. And it was time to go all the way to the top now. So Jesus is either going to have to go all the way to the top or they're going to they're kill him. Because if you said that you're the king and you're not, you're an imposter, you're a blasphemer, and they're going to take you down. And so they knew who he was. And they even struggled at times. I think they really believed after he rose from the dead. But they really were, they, they, they were like, hey, listen, if he's the king, come on. Now, could you imagine waiting for three years? You're, you're going through your, hey, he's the king, but why isn't he, why do we got to be quiet? Why do we got to hush, hush, hush all the time? And so he was going to slowly let this word out. And this was the very first time that Jesus is publicly declared he is Lord. 
the son of David, and he does not squelch it. It's the first time that the word goes. So he heals them, and this word is moving. So what is happening is like all of a sudden they unleash the movement, and the word is out that Jesus is the son of David from the uh, Davidic line who would be the fulfillment of all those promises of the king who would come, who would not only rule Israel, but would rule the world. And so this was a big deal. This was not just like, hey, we got a political figure on our hands. This was like, if this is him, th- this is the change of everything. So Matthew chapter 21, Matthew continues on. He says, now when they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey. And a colt tied with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went. And did as Jesus commanded. Now I want you to think about this. It's Palm Sunday. We know the story. And he tells them to go into the next town. And, uh, and just take this donkey out of somebody's yard. And just tell them I need it. I, I want you to think about that. Because what would that be like if that were happening today? Yeah. Hey, uh, Pastor Ken says he needs your car. I say, hey, you know, when you go down to Sunoco down the street there, you'll notice there'll be a, if you see a car and it has keys in it, especially a sports car, just tell them Pastor Kent needs it, right? And this is what's going on in their mind. As a matter of fact, I have a short video clip I want to show you. This is uh, two actors that are kind of acting out what would be like a, if they were two of the disciples in Jesus, in Jesus' day, but in modern times, okay? So if they were a disciple and Jesus told you to do that today, imagine what was going on. This is a no-brainer. We do exactly what Jesus said. We go into town, we find the donkey with its coat. I just don't understand it. why Jesus wants us to commit a crime. He wants us to steal a donkey. No, no, not steal, borrow. Oh, so we're just supposed to stroll into town, untie the donkey, and... And say exactly what he said to say. What is it? Oh, that the Lord has need of it? Yes, and we'll return it. What does that even mean, the Lord has need of it? It's self-explanatory. Why are you being so, so... So, so, so me? Because you all know that I'm the rule follower of the bunch. I just don't know why Jesus just didn't ask Peter to do this. Yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. This is so up Peter's alley. Steal the donkey, cause an uproar. That's his thing. Peter is the reason why banks chain their pens. Oh, I just don't want to go to jail. You know I hate one-ply toilet paper. Lower your voice. What? Look, we're just going to do what Jesus says. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? I don't know, a cracked rib, a busted lip, the kind of name-calling that'll put you in therapy years down the road? Stop it! Stop whining! Stop talking! Stop everything! Stop freaking out! Um, I, I, I don't mean to be judgy here, but someone needs to get the log out of their own eye. You have trust issues. Serious trust issues. You even know how many germs are in a jail cell, do you? No, 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 I don't, I don't. I'm sure it's a whole lot, okay? I don't know. 
And I don't know why Jesus wants us to get a donkey. And I don't know why people are gathering branches over here and lining the streets. But it just seems like there's something big is about to happen. Wait a minute. Yeah. Go back. Why did you say I had trust issues? Okay. Okay, let's make it about you. What? Think about it. Since we've been following him, we've seen him give sight to the blind. He's healed people with leprosy. He's raised people from the dead. From the dead? I can't even raise you from a nap. Hey. I think we can trust him with this donkey issue. That's just it. I have trust issues. I see how Jesus trusts the Father. He trusts so much, even more than the ground that I'm standing on. To trust someone like that, I, I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. But if you're going to trust someone, it's him, right? Okay. All right. Let's do it. We got this. You first. Baby steps. Hey, when we get there and we grab said donkey, maybe I really should leave like a Benjamin. No. A 20 spot? No. A thank you card. Stop it. All right, I'll trust him. So you could only imagine what was going on in the disciples' minds. But it really did boil down to that trust, didn't it? I mean, we've seen him do everything, but now can we trust him at this point? This movement has gone public. This movement has gone wild. And the disciples probably aren't even totally catching what's going on. But here's what I'm going to share with you this morning is that the king is in charge. The king is in charge. And when the king is in charge, everything is going to go okay. Even when he tells you to go down the street and get the donkey in somebody else's yard. And here's what was happening. Some people will say that, uh, oh, well, Jesus obviously had this prearranged. He wouldn't tell him to go steal a donkey. He wasn't telling him to steal a donkey, and it wasn't prearranged. Jesus was orchestrating his final entry into Jerusalem. Jesus was orchestrating Palm Sunday. And here's what happened. He said that they were in Bethpage. He was going to Bethpage. There were two little villages Bethpage and Bethany. They were small villages on the way to Jerusalem, not far from Jerusalem at all. And so what he says as they approach Bethpage, he says, I want you to go into the village, and I want you to go over there. He says, the village opposite, right? So Beth, uh, Bethpage and Bethany. Let me tell you what happened over in Bethany. Bethany was where Ma- uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were from. Bethany was the place where Jesus spent a lot of time. He did a lot of exclusive uh, time there. He spent a lot of time doing healings. He did all kinds of miracles there. That's where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And when you raise somebody from the dead, people kind of know, okay, there's something special about this guy. Like he did what nobody else could do. And the word was already out in Bethany and in Bethpage, these two little neighboring villages, that this man Jesus was God. Like it was already out. It was trickling out. The word was sneaking out. And so whenever Jesus sends him over and he says, you go in and when you grab that donkey, all you got to say is Jesus has need of it and they'll let you take the donkey. It wasn't some code word. What it was was Jesus has need of it and he'll let you take it because they knew and understand he's the king. And as I read that, 
I ask myself, God's asking me to give him what I have. If Jesus comes to me and says, hey, take, give me your donkey, am I going to say, well, God, you don't understand I need it today, and you don't understand this is how we make our living, and you don't understand this is my security, and you don't understand. And that's what we all end up doing. We end up going down this path, and we tell God about how inconvenient it is and all these things. In the meantime, the king is in charge, and am I responding to who he is? Because at Bethany and Bethpage, they understood that he's king. And if the king is called for something and you're part of the kingdom, you're going to do whatever the king says. And this is where the tense moments come in, into spirituality. Because he can't be the king and I just walk out and do my own thing. I got to fall under his leadership. have to fall under his authority. When the king is in charge. Now, listen, Palm Sunday was showing us the king is in charge. So he's orchestrating Palm Sunday. Look, verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down branches from the tree and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so you have this this entourage of people. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the word was out in the entire city. Who is this man? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. You see, Jesus was very much in charge. Did you ever wonder, where did all of a sudden these people start waving the palm branches? Because when Jesus sent over and said, hey, you'll see a donkey, Jesus was familiar with these towns. He spent a lot of time in those towns. He would know where the donkeys were grazing. He would know the people who had them. So he sends them over. Hey, when you see that donkey over there, you tell him the Lord has need of it. And then all of a sudden the word gets out. The Lord needs a donkey. Jesus is going to do something. And all of a sudden the word gets out. And not only does Jesus send for a donkey, it's as though he sends for his own crowd. Because you'll notice the scripture says there, it says then the multitudes, verse 9, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out. Listen, there was a multitude from Bethany and Bethpage. They went ahead of him and they went behind him. It was his own entourage. And as this entourage, it wasn't like, okay, Jesus just hopped on a donkey and took a little donkey ride into Jerusalem. And by the way, nobody just takes a donkey ride into Jerusalem. It's not the best mode of transportation. Has anybody ridden a donkey? I have. It was an amazing experience that I hope I never do again. I was in Haiti on a missions trip, and I'll never forget this. I'm in Haiti on a missions trip, and they put us on this donkey, and they're taking us down this mountainside. And uh, there was no saddle. And let me tell you, I felt everything of that donkey. I think I felt it. Like, I, Yeah, I just don't want to talk about that anymore. And we, uh, we were going down this hillside. And, you know, those donkeys are stubborn. They have their own mind. They go slow. Did you ever see a donkey run? They go slow. I think, John, you might have been on that trip with me, were you? Yeah. 
that was a memory of a lifetime that I hope I never have to recreate. It was the worst ride of my life. As a matter of fact, I got down the bottom. We were in this village, and they were having church. And after we were done, we, you know, we had our goat burger down there. And then we got done, and we were coming, coming back up the mountain. They're like, okay, it's time to get on. I said, no, I'll walk this time. And I walked all the way up this muddy hillside because I was afraid to death of this donkey. And let me tell you, Jesus chooses a donkey not because it saved him some foots. Not because it saved him anything, but because he was declaring openly that he was the son of David, and he was declaring his humility. Who rides a donkey? Let me tell you who rode a donkey. A servant rode a donkey. You would never see a general or commander of the military coming in on a donkey. The disciples are saying, we've been waiting for this. He's the son of David. He finally said yes. The, the word's spreading, and he gets a donkey. So, so, you know, if it's modern day, they're thinking, okay, when we get to Jerusalem, guys, we've got to figure out the whole social media thing because that's not how the king's going to come in. The king shouldn't be coming in on no donkey. He should be on a white horse and a chariot. So when we get down there, you guys, when you're showing out the pictures on Facebook, only show from the waist up because we don't want them to see the donkey, Right? There's a mixed message going on there, right? That's what social media does. It just shows you what we want you to see, right? And so, so listen, that's what it would be like. And so why did he ride on a donkey? Because the servant rides on a donkey. Verse 5 is a striking phrase. It says, tell the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Look, see, your king is coming to you lowly. And riding on a donkey. Folks, Jesus came humbly, but yet bold. Did you catch that? He came humbly, yet he was bold. And whenever you think about this, he was humble. This was the same same king who would, in just a few days, get down on his knees and wash the very feet of the 12 band of brothers that he had following him for three and a half years. He created them. He was present at creation. The God of the universe is now with a towel around his waist, and he's on the floor, and he's washing their feet, and he is in a couple hours going to pay for their sin. Like, it's one thing to think that God came down and washed your feet. It's another thing to understand. He did it right before he paid for their sin on the cross. And when you catch this, like, this is the humility of Jesus. If you you want to be a great leader, study Jesus. It was all about humility. This was the God of the universe gets down, and before he takes the very sin of the people, he's going to wash the very feet of the people. He came humbly, but yet he was bold. Let me tell you how bold he was. He was so bold that his claims were not denied. It was no longer time to be quiet. It was time to let it be known. He is the son of David. And this movement was going, and it had to go somewhere now. He made an incredible claim. The son of David, yes. The king of the universe, yes. And as he arrives into Jerusalem, look what he does. It's so bold. Jesus entered the temple area, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house. 
My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. And what does Jesus do? He goes in and he claims the temple as my house. He quotes from the Old Testament, but he's claiming it. He doesn't say this is God's house. He doesn't say this is my father's house. He says my house. And he lays the law down. This is my house. And what's he do? He arranges the, all the furniture there. He just takes it and throws everything around. He's arranging the furniture like he owns a place because he does. Because he is the master. He is the king. My house. And he is always facing this. Here's what's happened. He was coming in. He was humble. And he had to face the people with who he is now. And at this point, there was this, this, uh, this confrontation that takes place with his kingship. And you had to make a decision. And folks, I want to say this very politely today. When Jesus comes to any city or to anybody, the message is this. Crown me or kill me. You see, Jesus went into the temple and he knew that there was nothing in between. You couldn't claim to be Jesus. You couldn't claim to be the son of David. You couldn't claim to be the ultimate king who would rule the world and... Just have people be indifferent. Because the people would either crown him the king or they would be on the crucified team. And we saw what happened. That most of the people end up on the crucified team. But I want you to consider this today. When Jesus comes to you, Jesus comes to your mind. Listen, this is is where the struggle comes. When he comes to your mind, we either crown him the king or we crucify him. Oh, I wasn't involved with putting the nails in his hands. No, 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 but have you laid down and let him be king? Because if he's king, he becomes king. Like, okay, there's a lot of things I don't understand, but he's king. And so now I surrender to the king. And so, so the question I'm presenting to you today is, are you ready to crown him or are you ready to kill him? Because there's not an option in between. You don't get to do, you, there's not an option. You don't get to say, well, you know, I just think I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave Jesus on Sunday and I'll come back and I'll, I'll keep this all in this little compartment over here. No, if he's the king, he's the king. He came lowly. He came gentle. I want you to catch this. Not only did he come humbly yet bold, he, he boldly proclaims who he is. He came gently. Um, the, the, what was happening on the donkey here? This was the fulfillment of the prophecy. Matthew points it out. What he was doing, he was quoting from Zechariah 9.9, which was written hundreds of years earlier. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. Now, I want you to catch what was happening here. You, you take a donkey and you ride it, that's hard enough. Now you're going to take a colt, the foal of a donkey. You're going to take an unbroken animal and try to ride it. Don Carson, in his commentary on Matthew, notes this. He says, you can't ride an animal before it's broken, especially a baby donkey riding through a yelling crowd. Humanly speaking, no rider could do this. In the midst of all of this unbroken young, in the midst of all of this, an unbroken young animal remains totally calm 
under the hands of the Messiah who controls nature and steals the storm and even points to the peace of the consummated kingdom. Jesus is the Lord of all, and under his hand, nothing but harmony and peace comes about. Now, catch that. When Jesus got on this unbroken animal, harmony and peace break out right there. He has control of it. The animal knows and loves his true master for who he is. This is a foreshadowing of the healing and completion of all nature as found in Isaiah 11 when it talks about the wolf shall live with the lamb. To ride on the donkey despite all the kingly stuff, yet with the form of a servant, any general who was coming into town would not ride a donkey. You know who was coming into town on the same day? Pontius Pilate was coming into town on the same day. Coming from the, Jesus was coming from the east. Coming from the west was Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate, he comes in on a chariot. And as he's riding on a chariot, man, this is all, this is power. It's a display of power. It's a display of might. And as he comes in, he comes in showing his power. And Jesus comes in not showing his power, but showing his humility, riding on a donkey, looking so vulnerable. But yet he claims his identity as who he is. Do you see what he's doing? He's coming in. He's saying, I'm a king, but not the king like you want. I'm a king, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to free you from a whole lot more than Rome. I'm going to free you from hell's fire. I'm going to free you from your soul. I'm going to free you from all that pain that you've been experiencing. This is what the disciples wanted, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not how it's going to be. I'm coming in on a donkey. They wanted the war. They wanted the power. And let me say it like this. Death comes whenever the servant becomes the king. You see, whenever you place yourself in the seat of the king, that's deadly. Sin brings forth death. This is what happens. You put yourself, I'm in charge. I don't care what anybody says. These are my needs. This is how I feel. This is what I'm going to do. I'm making the decisions that rule my life. No way. How could God, God so mean to have all those decisions that he says in his word? See, that's death. Salvation comes whenever the king takes the form of a servant. Jesus, on the position of a servant, riding on the donkey, death becomes the servant when the king is, uh, death becomes the servant when the, death comes when the servant becomes the king. Salvation comes when the king becomes the servant. And I want you to catch this. You'll see some people moving around. They're getting ready for a baptism. I know everybody's looking. What's that going on over there, right? So uh, let's give them a hand. We're excited about these baptisms coming up here. <laughs> Death comes when the servant becomes the king. Are you trying to be king? Or are you serving the king? Salvation comes when the king becomes the servant. And the question to you today is, are you going to kill him or are you going to crown him? What about all these palms? What was the deal with the palms? He's waving these palm branches and, and they're going on waving the palm branches. What was, what was this all about? Listen, let me tell you what it was all about. It was a foreshadowing of things to come. Jesus came to transform and he came to transform your life. 
He came to transform. And let me tell you what this is all about. Psalm 96, 12 says, Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees and all the woods will rejoice before the Lord. All the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Isaiah 55, 12 says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, let me tell you, I was out there yesterday, and I'm watching all this take place. I'm watching the wind blow. I'm watching snaps of little trees fall and all kind of fun stuff. And those trees were doing anything but clapping. You know what those trees were doing? They're groaning. They are not even living up to what they are supposed to be right now. You think a tree is just supposed to put leaves on and look pretty in the fall and look, look all the different seasons. And that's what you and I think a tree is. But the scripture says here that when Jesus comes back and he's installed as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, when that happens, the trees of the field will clap their hands. And you say, well, how's that going to happen? Let me tell you, there's a new day coming and there's something more to the story. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And so I want you to catch this that's a transformation what's going to happen in your life there's so much more you you if you're the king and you're in charge god wants to god wants to transform he's he wants to do something really big but he can't do it when you're the king you got to get off the throne and you got to serve the king and this is a moment of surrender and when you do this god will transform your life into a humble yet bold king, just like Jesus. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to encourage you. Maybe maybe you're wrestling. Maybe maybe you're, listen, the the question is, are you going to crown him or are you going to crucify him? There's nothing in between. You can't walk away from the claims of Christ. Either he's king or he's not. And so, if he's king, that means you're not. And so today, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. Would you open your heart? If that's you today, would you just call upon the name of the Lord and just pray something like this? Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. And Lord, I've been struggling because I've been king of my life. And Lord, I surrender today because you're king. And I want you to be the true king of my life. I'm waving the flag of surrender to you. Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You rose again from the dead. And I can really trust you. So I'm starting that today and I'm going to trust you. So their heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you to pray something like that to the Lord and start that relationship with him. And for others today, maybe God has not been king of your life. Like, like you've been following him, but, but there's areas that you're holding back and saying, you can be king over everything but this. May I invite you to surrender to the king With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if what I've said today has offended you, please understand how much we love you 
But it's not me, it's Jesus. And I ask you today to take up your issues, whether this is your first day or you've been here for 20 years, take up your issues with the king today and watch him transform your life. God, we thank you. Thank you for the way you're moving. Thank you for the way that you're bringing people to yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you are king and that I don't have to be the king of my life anymore. I get to surrender and be part of a greater kingdom. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you will be honored and adored today as we close our service with these baptisms and with this song. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together today as our children come in and join us for a baptism. We're going to, have, we're going to sing our song, and then we're going to hit uh, two baptisms. So let's stand today and sing unto the Lord.
turning eight. A few months ago, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. My favorite verse is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. For we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2.10. Because I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Hi, everybody. I have Reese up here. And Reese, I have one question for you. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart and made him your Lord and your Savior? Yes. Yes? Okay. So you're going to step down. You're going to step down there. Perfect. So upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Thank you, Reese. Now you can step over here. Awesome. And now, for our second one, we have Nate Mimitis. Can you guys give Nate Mimitis a hand for me, please? Thank you. Okie dokie. Okay, Nate, would you uh, tell your story to the, the congregation for me? So when I was around 13, I went to a... Hold on, wait a minute. I don't think it's, it's still... Now try it. When I was around 13, I went to a Christian summer camp, and the counselor from my cabin, he was praying, and he asked us if any of us haven't accepted Christ, and if we haven't, please raise our hand, and I was one of the kids that did. And after he took us outside, he talked to us about what it means to accept Christ, and he prayed another prayer with us, and ever since that day, I've just lived my life through Christ. That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome, Nate. Nate, why would you like to get baptized today? I want to get baptized today and just to show that I love God and I have a relationship with him. Awesome. And do you have a favorite verse that you have memorized? My favorite verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Awesome. Can you guys give him a hand? Thank you. Okay, Nate. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to life in his resurrection. Thank you guys so much. It's such an awesome time to get to baptize some of some students. If you ever need any, if you ever are interested in baptizing, let us know. Send us an email or just let us know and we'll be willing to do it. Thank you, Pastor Ken. And let's thank God for all these young people coming to Christ. Man, I'm going to thank God. These kids are going to head back downstairs now. All right, let's thank God for these families, though. We appreciate you guys bringing your children to Christ, man. These two great families in our church here. So as they uh, 
These kids return downstairs so we can dismiss properly. I want to remind you, you're gonna, on the way out, you're going to get a Palm Sunday Palm. And uh, think about that message all week when you look at that. And then you're also going to get Palm Sunday popcorn, okay? We've got a lot of popcorn left over from the thing, so uh, enjoy. Take two, three bags of it. Those ladies were stuffing popcorn, and we can't let that go to waste, all right? Let's stand together and be dismissed. Please uh, come and encourage these families with the baptism of their, of their young people. God bless.